Hey there! Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. Crossing the Tape. I'm your host, Brendan. And I'm Hillary. Also a host. <laughs> Please sign the crime scene log, check your addict if you haven't already. Yes. Shame on you if you haven't. And join us as today we bring you an incomplete history of body snatching. Gross. Sounding. <laughs> it's interesting though. It is. And it's it's I mean, everybody's heard of it. Yeah. Here and there, but I didn't realize it was like a true industry yeah. for a time. Yes. Well, it still is, apparently. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a true black market, you know, underground industry. Mm -hmm. And we're going to teach you all about it <laughs> and why you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, stay out of there. Leave those people alone. Money is the root of all evil. And unless you have a lot of it, of course, then that's always pretty sweet. Yeah. And that's what everybody wants. Big stacks of $100 bills and gold coins. You know, reminds me of that, what was Scrooge it? Scrooge McDuck. Yes. And he's just <laughs> and you can die flinging in your the coins <laughs> and the money. The true American dream. Or is it? In order to get their filthy mitts off the, on those dead presidents, mm -hmm. on that green we like so much. <laughs> Not that green, the other green. We don't like that green. No. Money. Um... Some people will do just about anything, unfortunately. Except a hard day's work. Yeah, I know. That's becoming less and less prevalent, sadly. Illicit trades can be highly profitable, and with the king of dirty money being the drug trade, there's drug manufacturing and trafficking, and it brings an estimate of a half of a trillion dollars worldwide each year. Woof. Not terribly far behind, however, is the disgusting human trafficking trade. Over $100 billion is made from smuggling and selling living, breathing human beings. How disgusting is that? Yeah. But make no mistake, people have found value in what's inside those living, breathing people as well. Because the organ trafficking trade is really creepy and brings about freaks that, you know, they combined worldwide, it's a billion dollars or so. Yeah, about a billion dollar industry just in the organs. Right. So, there is a void, however, in what's left over when the traffickers and organ harvesters are done. However, there is another industry. Yeah, there's something to do with what's left. Right. So, first of all, let's back that up. How gross and disgusting is society? People and organs and well, drugs. and it just, you know, if that's the route you're going to go, you don't, need, you don't need to be around. Sell your kidney, not someone else's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's disgusting what yeah. people will do for money. Um, but in this, we're going to tell you about body snatching and how it started was 
you know, grave robbing. And that's yeah, probably the most... Simple, casual <laughs> grave robbing. But that's probably the more common term. I was, you know, I was trying to do some research and I put body snatching. But then grave robber came up because they're one and the same. Yeah. Pretty much. There's I mean, plenty of overlap. Yeah. But of course, starting with, well, let's see if there's anything left, Yeah, you know, that the person was buried with. And then right. eventually, well, why don't we just take the person and do something with them? So grave robbing, tomb raiding, and body snatching has probably gone on longer than we ever realized. Though these terms were first coined around the 17th century, the practices date back much further. And of course, the original intent was to uncover and steal valuables that may have been buried with the decedent. So that's what I always have heard about in the past. You've seen old Western movies of them digging up graves. So-and-so was buried with his gold. With his jewels or whatever. Um... However, it goes much, much farther back. For instance, ancient Egyptians used to bury, be buried with their most cherished possessions because they believed those items would carry them into the afterlife. Yeah. So, so you take your finest jewels right, so you've got all, them in the afterlife. You know, been to those museums where mm-hmm. you see the mummies and all the gold and everything that mm-hmm. is on their mummified body. You have to have a very handsome sarcophagus, otherwise right. you're not invited to the party. Right. So raiding a wealthy person's tomb could turn up all manner of jewels and precious metals. And this is why Egyptian royalty were buried in large, elaborate, labyrinth tombs, eventually, that were the Great Pyramids. Yeah. Yeah, the purpose of, you know, yeah. the pyramids and their mazes and all right. that and traps and such yeah. were to keep the grave robbers from getting to the pharaoh's tomb yeah. and taking whatever crown jewels he was buried with. Mm-hmm. So since those days, grave robbing has progressed into an actual black market network, not just for selling the buried person's valuables, but also profiting from the rest of the grave's contents. Of course, with that illegal trade comes consequences for these crimes, as they should. For some time, however, grave robbing and body snatching was completely legal, which is mind-blowing. kind of bananas. It is. And when I read all of that, I thought, what? And then the, for the same reason that it used to be legal, once it became illegal, it was still kind of, yeah. Whatever. We'll I think it depended on who it was. Probably. Know, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately. We do have an example here where right. once it affected somebody prevalent, yeah. like, all right, now we got to take it seriously. Yeah. So people generally saw these practices as sinful and immoral, which they are. However, there were no laws in place to protect corpses. And the items buried with the decedent didn't really belong to anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just in the ground. Yeah, that's not that guy's. He's yeah. dead. So medical institutions needed cadavers in order to teach anatomy lessons and perform dissections for research. But at that time, the only bodies available were those of criminals condemned to death. And since there weren't very many of those around the United States, professors began taking cadavers wherever they could get them. So what I thought was really interesting in the research mm-hmm. was that body snatching became super prevalent when the railroads were installed, like instilled and in, across yeah, America. Once they were completed and you could yeah. get from here to there Which, you know, without horseback. Me, I wouldn't think of anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I would I go, oh, good It's for the a bodies. train <laughs> and I can go from here to there. I wouldn't think, oh, good, I can sell this illegally. I, that doesn't cross <laughs> Actually, my mind. now we can reach New York in three days instead of two months. Right, you know. yeah. So as the railroads grew and allowed travel across multiple states, body snatching became highly lucrative. And once the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad 
was completed in 1828, grave robbers could dig up bodies and ship them on trains for medical schools to use for dissection purposes. These schools would accept the bodies, paid top dollar, because they viewed the trade as a necessary evil. Yeah, so the schools had no disillusions. No. They knew, they knew is, what was going on. It's kind of crap and messed up, but yeah. we can't wait around for a death row inmate to get, well, that school hasn't gotten one right. in a while. We'll send him there. We just need bodies. Yeah. So if this is how they're coming, then that's how we take them. So the only way students could gain the experience necessary to become doctors and surgeons was to perform procedures and examinations on an actual human body. Which, that's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, because of course, back then, that was the only way you could learn, was in person. Yeah. I have taken forensic pathology classes remotely. Mm-hmm. And have gotten several hours of certification mm-hmm. just from a remote class. But yeah, back then... <laughs> What are you gonna do? Wait, yeah, you know? if you're if you're gonna be the uh, the heart transplant right. guy, you gotta mess with some hearts on some actual right. bodies before you yeah. can just go in and uh, pop that and one out and put this one in like a carburetor on your lawnmower. Well, and I didn't look up the research, but you know, I'm sure medical examiners and coroners, it was a lot different back then. So I yes. don't know that you could go and observe like you probably could now, <laughs> an actual place. There. In, some of the research I did, there was a, it wasn't necessarily like selling tickets to the circus, but there were, even in those days, um, the dissections were done in large auditoriums and Mm. there were plenty of people viewing and especially when the bodies were scant. Yeah. Well, get everybody who needs to learn this stuff, cram them in here because this is the only guy we're going to have for two months to do a dissection. And it's not a trade you can practice. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, all my pathology right. classes... Can we get a volunteer to come lay down on the slab? Right. All my pathology classes were just based on pictures yeah. of thing, of autopsies that had already been done. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. Even if the body was ill-gotten, it was still a body, and the schools couldn't do without it at the time. This line of business particularly grew in Baltimore because of climate advantages. Maryland body snatchers could get their hands on more bodies... Because the temperatures were typically very mild, at least more mild than other areas of the country, which is a good point. Mm-hmm. Because back then, if you died in the winter and you lived in like New England, yeah. you're just fro- the you're, frozen. You, they know. can't. How do we dig you? They hole? couldn't do anything. They mm-hmm. wouldn't. They stored the bodies and would wait till the mm-hmm. ground thawed. Yeah. So that's a good point too. That a mild climate allowed for more bodies, which in this disgusting industry would be more money yeah so grave digging was viable all year long without worry of having to dig through frozen ground or race against more rapid decay due to heat yeah because you can't you know once the person has they're decayed fully decayed you can't bring them no a pile of goop and the skeleton no i mean you could study the bones but that's not what they want it for yeah they probably had plenty of skeletons at the probably especially after a few months of this i mean yeah. How many of those do you need? I know. It's the body they want. Right. But before we give you the rundown on some creepy train rides and even creepier people, let's please enjoy a word from our sponsor. If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. 
NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code BA2367. That's BA2367. And you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well. Now, lack of laws aside, it obviously would cause problems to board a train with a corpse stuffed in a burlap sack over your shoulder or traveling with a dead guy sitting next to you. So, in order to ship the bodies on trains, body snatchers took to placing the corpse, corpses in barrels filled with whiskey to mask the smell and disguise them as standard cargo. They would then send them on a train to be retrieved by the medical school at their destination. This practice of stashing bodies in bourbon is believed to be the origin of the phrase stiff drink, which I thought was great. <laughs> it's fantastic that that's where that comes from. Yes. Uh, Very sad situation. But the fact that it comes from a body in a barrel yeah. and me and my dark humor, I got a tickle out of that. that is, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's not that the drink is strong. No. There was a dead guy There's in this barrel. There's a stiff guy in there. There's we a just stiff. sold them to the medical college, and now we got all this whiskey. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the leftover whiskey was often sold to recoup some of the cost of the cadaver purchase. Which is unfortunate and gross, but yeah, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, that documentary we watched about um, the girl in L.A. In, that was found in the water uh, tower. Yeah. Elisa and, Lamb. Yes, and how mm-hmm. how terrible I felt for the people who drank the water that smells water really weird. and showered in it. They yeah. didn't know. No. But how terrible. I would never drink water again. I yeah. would only drink whiskey, ironically. <laughs> just to burn all the germs out of my insides. Until you read this. <laughs> and now, I don't know what to do. <laughs> there's bodies in the water. There's bodies in the whiskey. So, despite angry family members demanding authorities take action to prevent these practices, law enforcement and politicians turned a blind eye. Even with laws against pillaging in place by that time, the cases were difficult to prosecute because the grave robbers could easily dispute the ownership of any items they stole, given the true owner was unable to testify. Most of the time, law enforcement wouldn't even bother. Which is a real drag. Well, because there's the family. Oh, Grant, we buried Grandma with her favorite necklace. Yeah. You will... You, and like, now it's gone, and that guy's walking around town right. with it. And he goes, no, this was a gift from my grandma. Right. And it's a woman's necklace, but I'm wearing it. I'm a no, confident he man. He wouldn't wear it. He would get. He would sell it. Right, he would sell it and make an extra couple bucks right. after selling the body. Right. So that's sad. Yeah. But despite the booming business in Baltimore, the need for cadavers was so great that the medical professors themselves became involved. There were six medical schools in the city, and the body snatchers were, pro- were profiting more from sending the bodies to other places than sending, selling them locally. <clears throat> and remember, we discussed the trains, the, you know, that they would ship the body. Mm-hmm. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. So, since the local sales were dwindling, students and even school staff members were tasked 
with retrieving corpses. One particular instance involved the taking of the niece of a wealthy woman named Elizabeth Joyner. Her niece Jane had been buried and Elizabeth headed home to sleep. She awoke from a bad dream convinced Jane's body had been stolen. She returned to the gravesite the following day and found that the body was missing, as was that of Jane's mother, who had been buried in the next plot months before. So she had premonition. Yeah, she had the sight. She had the sight. Joyner soon received an anonymous letter which explained Jane's body was seen being carried into the medical hall for dissection. Joyner was eventually able to determine Jane's body and her mother's skeleton were both being used for research at the University of Maryland. The investigation found that a student known as Professor a student no, known as Professor Jensen had a clandestine business running out of the school. He would accept the orders from the other schools and supervise a group of janitors tasked with digging them up and transporting them according to the orders he received. The university claimed he had they had no idea what Jensen was up to on their grounds. However, the dean was kind enough to post the bail and the university hired a defense attorney for the body snatchers. Yeah, but they had no clue what this guy right. was up Even to. Right, even though they hired a defense attorney. Yeah, we don't know nothing, but, but it's been nice having all these bodies for dissection. The case went to a bench trial, and somehow the judge found Jensen and his crew not guilty. Perhaps the body snatching trade was seen as too beneficial to medical research to lock up the brave men desecrating, and brave in quotations, desecrating graves and corpses for money. Another hurdle for some medical colleges that boosted corpse trafficking were laws preventing the usage of human cadavers for dissection. This was the case in the state of Georgia until 1887, when the state allowed the use of human bodies, but only those of people who were not claimed by family members, which had become the norm across the rest of the civilized world. So if it was a John Doe, yeah, then they, you know, their body would a be homeless person to or what this, yeah. Prior to that law change, human bodies were still needed for education, illegal or not. And this meant medical schools in Georgia had to conduct these dissections in secret and had to be equally secretive about disposing of the remains. And that was going to be my other thought is, okay, they've got all these bodies. What do they do with them? So the depth of this practice was not fully known until 1989 when construction began on the old medical college building at the Medical College of Georgia, located in Augusta. Workers in the basement found over 10,000 scattered bones, mostly buried under dirt and some even in large barrels that still had whiskey. So they were using the old whiskey trick. (laughs) But the alcohol probably would help preserve it and keep the smell, like the original intent. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's nuts. Not saying it's right, just explaining the science behind it. It was 89. Yeah. 1989. When they came across all this. Yeah, it's not 1889. Yeah. Two years later. Very recent. Right. In terms of everything else we talk about here, they started construction and popped open a barrel. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, whiskey. (laughs) Hold on. This was apparently the work of an enslaved man, Grandison Harris who eventually became a free full-time employee of the college. Starting in 1852, part of his duties were to obtain the bodies the college needed and dispose of them when they were no longer of use. Harris preyed on cemeteries in the poor and black parts of Augusta because there was less chance anyone would come forward to report the grave robberies. Which, how awful is that? 
Yeah. You know, let's let's prey on the poor people who don't have a name. Poor people, minorities. Nobody's going to come looking for them. I know. That's really awful. Well, same reason that in the 70s and 80s, so many serial killers focused on black prostitutes. Yeah. Or prostitutes in general. Yeah. Because because they weren't... Less likely to have connections with family. Law enforcement of the time wouldn't put as much resource into looking for someone who was seen as... The dregs of society, yeah. unfortunately. Which is really sad, because, you know, at the end of the day, all of those people are somebody's family member. Right, they're all How human. How awful, you know? They're all human. Post-dissection, Harris took to lefto- took all the leftover pieces, dumped them in ba- the basement, and covered them with dirt, and topped them with lime to cover the scent. Now, unfortunately, he should have used lye instead of lime. Yeah, he used but, a bit of quick lime, which does help with... That kind of thing, but I think lie is more... Lie is the way to go, but... No, we don't know scent. nothing, but... <laughs> in a legitimate practice. Yeah, based on science. He carried on with this morbid tradition until laws changed in 1887, giving him a quarter century of gainful employment as a private body snatcher. Mm-hmm. Now available to work in another capacity for the school, he carried on stealing the bodies in the same fashion until his retirement in 1908. Because the 1887 unclaimed bodies law did not provide enough cadavers for all the medical colleges in Georgia, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, so that law changed, and now everything can be done on the up and up. They went, yeah, but we still need more, so just keep robbing those graves. That's what that's what really got me with all this research, is that the blind eye, mm-hmm. you know, just the blind eye from law enforcement, the blind eye from the college, the blind eye from the judge, just... Eh, it's it's necessary. I mean, you know, as I said, they're all no <laughs> matter sucks, what. The, but we got to do it. Well, yeah, and like no matter what the background of that person, mm-hmm. they're still a human being who has at one time had a family at least. Yeah. How awful for that family and that person. And this Harris fellow, super interesting. I don't know what he went through, but we know he was purchased by the school as a slave. Which, that given, sucks, too. Given those duties, and then once the I slaves know. were free and, you know, after the Civil War, they just said, well, do you want to, we'll just hire you, just give you the job formally, yeah. and you can just keep doing it. And then they passed that law, yeah, allowing John Doe's to be used. Right. And they went, nah, just keep going. I know. And so until 1908, he just, now a free man. Yeah, still just, did it. Just did that. Just, yeah, I'm already here. I can do the job. Yeah. I'm good at it. Why not? Shame. It is a shame. But it's an interesting history, and you learned something new. Now you know where the term stiff drink comes from. Yeah. So if someone offers you a <laughs> stiff drink, look at them twice. Yeah. Or ask to look at the barrel or the yeah. keg. Yeah, see what they're doing behind <laughs> the scenes. Well, that's all we have for you today. But it's going to get a whole lot worse next time. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, though. Yes. Super interesting, the history and the the scope of this industry. Yes. I mean, when they started doing work on that college, they estimated 10,000 bones. Right. That's a lot of people. And that's just the ones that were still there. Doesn't count for maybe he disposed of some elsewhere. Right. How many are at the bottom of lakes around there just from medical dissections? And it also is amazing to me that there were that many medical colleges at that time. And they just had a need for bodies. (laughs) makes me wonder what we're doing today. Do we have enough 
people <laughs> passing away and donating their bodies to science willingly? Probably. It's much more Maybe. common now, though. Body snatching? No. Donating your body oh, yes. to science is much more common. <laughs> well, I hope so. Because otherwise... Yeah. This is making a comeback. Yeah, no, it shouldn't. No, no. It no. does not need to. Yeah. And if someone's body is donated to science, it is treated or supposed to be treated with the utmost respect right. and dignity. Yeah. Just as, you know, autopsies. I mean, being in the field that I'm in, um, I would have to attend several autopsies for any case that I worked with a decedent involved. And, you know, they're always treated as best they can. You know, and the mm -hmm. reason for the autopsy is to find an answer to how they died to provide for the family for closure and to do that person justice. But they, you know, they always, they're always very professional and even caring. I mean, that's not yes. quite the word, but yeah, they're, but they do, they, they're very respectful. Yeah. Every, every autopsy proper. that I have attended has been very respectful. You know, the room is you know, quiet, solemn, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's not just somebody's gig that they're doing. No. Just the job. No. They and treat it They treat it appropriately. Well, next time, we're going to talk about body snatching, but without the grave robbing aspect. Right. So let your mind run wild on how that could be. As always, I'm Hillary. I'm Brendan. Thank you for listening. Sign the crime scene log on your way out. Don't Sit. go in the attic. And don't... Resort to body snatching. Find Please. something else to do. There's legitimate work out there. There's lots of jobs nobody wants to work. You can <laughs> take one of those. Stay safe. So long.